Welcome to episode three of Stops and Starts, a women's hockey podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Glavin. Here's what you need to know about me. I'm a 2005 graduate of Mercyhurst College, where I got my business degree and also played four years of hockey. Today, I work in finance, have a husband and two little kids, and I'm a huge women's hockey fan. On Stops and Starts, I talk about hockey, and of course, I also talk about my kids. All right, episode three, let's kick this off. So last week, um, at the beginning, I was talking about how tired I was, blah, blah, blah. And sure enough, I was sick. So forgive the, um, you can just kind of tell with my voice, I'm still getting over that a little bit. I think I feel better, but just the voice is not quite back. Um, but other than the sickness, honestly, I had a great week last week. Um, a breakthrough that we had was my four-year-old learned how to buckle his seatbelt And so after seven years of uh, buckle, well, seven and a half years of buckling, you know, five, uh, those five point harness um, seatbelts for little kids, I'm all done doing that. So that was pretty cool. It sounds silly, but just watching them learn new things is kind of awesome. And then as of last week, when my son and I went bike riding, I would, this is almost embarrassing, I would literally run behind him ready to grab his seat in case anything went wrong when he was bike riding. And, and he even told me like, that's what he needed. Um, so major helicopter parent situation. And then my mom came to town and was basically like, yeah, no. Um, and then she took him for a bike ride. She literally rode with him on a bicycle and he also rode. And so now I'm like, oh, interesting. He can do that. And now he and I can go for bike rides everywhere. And he's a young bike rider. He's not even five years old. Um, But he has this skill and apparently he can do it. And I I just didn't realize it, um, that he could do it well enough to go for bike rides. Um, So so that happened. And then on Saturday morning, uh, we were at swim lessons. And my daughter, it was the first swim lessons of the session. So they've done lots of swim lessons, but it's a new group. my daughter, at one point, I was up in the mezzanine just watching, looking down, and the instructor had them do like a front stroke, just swim across the width of the pool. So the kids, you know, they do several strokes and come up for air and then keep keep going. And I, again, had, I knew she could sort of do it, but I didn't know she could do that thing that I was watching her do. And uh, the cutest thing was that she had like a smile on her face the whole time. Um, But watching that and those three examples of sort of seeing my kids have growth um, and also just being, um, seeing how courageous they are and brave little kids are um, to learn new things kind of just inspired me to sort of make sure I strive for that in my own life of Um, keep learning new things and don't be afraid to try new things like you know as a grown-up I think sometimes we can get into ruts where we can not be challenging ourselves to do new things not having a growth mindset Um, so it was just really cool to see that see the kids do that and it kind of inspired me with my podcast Um, just inspired me in general and I as a parent you just love watching your kids do stuff and learn and grow and change so that was really cool um 
Okay, so now let's talk a little hockey because this is, after all, a women's hockey podcast. Um, So let's just run through a couple of things that happened in the last week. In the NWHL, the signings continue. The three big signings that happened last week and and today, I should say. Um, The first one was Michaela Grant-Mentis re-signed with the Toronto Six. I don't think that was a big surprise. She had a great year. Uh, with the Toronto Six. Um, she was uh, won an award for Best Newcomer of the Year, won an award for MVP of the Year, um, was a real go- goal scorer for the Six, and she has been vocal about wanting to play in Toronto, like at home, and she never got to do that this year because of the whole bubble situation, like Placid and then Boston. So she wants to play at home for real, So and she's young, and she's a great hockey player, so no surprise at all that she resigned with Toronto. Um, Digit Murphy did some press last week and, and sort of let it out that about 50% of the team will not be resigning um, just due to the usual reasons, retirements, work commitments, um, perhaps going to Europe to play hockey. So we're going to see a lot of new faces in Toronto. Um, so uh, definitely good for Toronto fans, though, that one important face they want back and need back is Michaela Grant-Mentis, and she will be there. Um, the other cool signing, um, number two cool signing, was Lisa Chesson signing with the Buffalo Buttes. Chesson was a Ohio State graduate and played in the 2010 Olympics, and she's a longtime NWHL player for the Buttes. Uh, she's one of their best defenders. So, um, you know, every year, and, and she's one who I think has waffled over the years, you know, do I keep playing or not? Um, and I think at one point she was even commuting from Columbus to play in the NWHL. I don't know if that's still the case, but at any rate, she did sign on again to play in Buffalo next year. So she'll be a star on that team. And then the last one that I wanted to mention, I don't know that this surprises anyone, but Madison Packer signed, um, to play with the Riveters. Of course, a very unique situation there. Her wife is the GM, Anya Packer, uh, first year GM, Um, Packer has played in the league all seven seasons, um, and is one of the most popular and well-known faces in the league. So those were three big signings in the NWHL. Their draft is June 29th, and I look forward to seeing what comes of that. Got to give credit to the NWHL. There's not very much news happening in women's hockey right now, and the NWHL just keeps rolling and producing stuff for people to talk about, create content, etc. Um... Last thing on the NWHL is today they announced uh, the Connecticut Whale, who were recently purchased by private ownership. Um, They announced that they had hired a GM. Alexis Moed um, will be the GM. And Alexis is a 2003 graduate of Boston College. She played hockey there, also played a year of hockey at St. Lawrence University, um, and since graduating has remained involved with women's sorry women's and girls hockey um particularly on Long Island um so we'll see what she can do with the Connecticut Whale the lovable losers of the league um and you know that's just one more storyline to follow lots of GM turnover in this league it's very i guess this is what you know it's a young league so just going to be this uh, chaos or, or just always churning and always stuff happening. It'll be interesting to see, you know, um, how quickly other franchises can settle down and, and get some longevity in, um, 
in 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 front office management. Um, as I mentioned last week, Toronto is still hiring a GM. Um, Anya Packers, a first year GM over at the Metropolitan Riveters, and now Columbus or not Columbus? Ah, I wish. Uh, Connecticut is a um, has a first year GM with Alexis Moed. Moving on to NCAA, obviously the NCAA is pretty quiet now. Um, I can't talk with any intelligence about the Supreme Court stuff that's going on. I just know when the Supreme Court votes 9-0, not in favor of you, you kind of just got crushed. But I don't, that's all I know about that. Um, But anyway, with uh, Mercyhurst, they picked up a graduate transfer from Clarkson. Um, The young lady's name is Christy Pigeon. She's from Ingleside, Ontario. She played four years at Clarkson, which means she was there for Clarkson's, um, I guess it would be 2018 um, National Championship. Yep. Um, So anytime you're bringing in somebody who's a national champion and has four years of experience on a top team in the country, um, I think that's a good thing. Um, just, you know, this year it was kind of a weird year and it looked like, um, it looked like Christy Pigeon played a third line role at Clarkson and she had five points in 19 games. Um, so her, not a very productive year in terms of points for her. Um, but just looking even one year back as a junior, she scored 15 points and I just pulled up one, um, sort of game sheet one box score and it looked like she was playing on the second line so uh there will certainly be things that ways she can contribute at mercyhurst and you never know she could be a a big contributor I, i think that this last year was a very weird year uh clarkson in particular seems to have been in a weird state this year um they didn't really finish the year strongly and just I mean, personally, I was just expecting something a little bit different from Clarkson this year, and then we're seeing lots of transfers out. So um, trying not to draw too much from her senior season, um, five-point stat line, um, really looking, focusing on just the fact that Christy is a national champion. She's going to bring four years of experience, which is huge um, because the Lakers are going to have seven freshmen next year. Um, and she will be somebody that should be able to contribute in College Hockey America, similar to how Michaela Boyle uh, contributed at RMU when she transferred there from Clarkson. Um, also, um, after, I think it was after 2018, she transferred there. So uh, excited to see what happens um, for Mercyhurst there um, with that transfer and with their returning fifth-year seniors, KK Thiessen and Alexa Vasco. Um, and their strong freshman class that they have coming in. But that's kind of a long ways off. They don't start playing until, I think, September 24th or 25th. They open the season at home. Um, They actually play at homecoming for once uh, versus RPI, so that's exciting. Um, But other than that, most of the news at the NCAA right now, it's either going to be transfers or coaching changes. And so the next thing that I wanted to talk about was a really, I thought, super interesting coaching change. Um, Kirsten Matthews signed as the associate head coach at Boston University, so she will report to head coach Brian DeRoche. Um, my question with this signing was, is Kirsten Matthews going to eventually be the head coach at Boston University? Is she going to be 
the second um, Division I head coach at that program because Brian DeRoche has been their only Division I head coach. The last head coach before Brian DeRoche at Boston College was Kirsten Matthews. That's right. The person that was just hired as an associate head coach. So super interesting and lots to discuss here. Um, so Boston University, prior to becoming Division One for varsity, obviously they have a very rich history on the men's side. They've been varsity D1 forever, um, NCAA. But uh, on the women's side, they were club. And Kirsten Matthews graduated from Providence in 2000, and she became the head coach of the club team at Boston University and eventually helped transition it to Division One. But when, she, when they went to D1 for the women's team, from, they transitioned from club to D1, um, the school named Brian DeRoche the first head coach in program history. And that's not super uncommon that when teams elevate their um, status um, in terms of the league that they play in, that they get a new coach. A perfect example would be what we're seeing with the St. Thomas Tommies, um, where the previous coach is gone, and then they're bringing in um, Joel Johnson, who has just an um, very deep Division One hockey resume to be the new head coach. So um, nothing, um, I don't think anything uh, that we need to be like too negative about or anything, knowing that Kirsten Matthews used to be the head coach and then she kind of got, became the assistant coach. And then, um, Brian DeRoche became the associate, became the head coach back in, this was way back in 2005, which was their first year at the division one level. So Kirsten Matthews, um, stayed with that program as an assistant coach for three years. And then in 2008, she left and she became a head coach at a school called St. Anselm. St. Anselm is either D1 or D2. I honestly can't remember, but they played in a, their hockey team played at the division three level, which makes me think they were division two maybe. Um, cause I wouldn't think you could play down from D1, but for D2, there is no championship available. So I think you're allowed to play D3. I don't know. This is again, tricky NCAA stuff. Um, but at any rate, so Kirsten Matthews was the head coach of St. Anselm, um, which I'm probably not saying that right. I should probably know my saints better. Um, but anyway, so she was the head coach of St. Anselm playing in a Division three conference and having great success there for many years. And by the way, St. Anselm is in Manchester, New, um, New Hampshire, and only about an hour from Boston. Um, so depending on where Kirsten Matthews lives, she can probably make these moves between schools from one to the other without even moving and uprooting her family, which is important for a lot of people, um, regardless of what industry they work in. Um, so she gained a ton of experience coaching at St. Anselm at the D3 level. Um, and then St. Anselm eventually um, joined the New England Women's Hockey Alliance, which we will talk about on another day. But the short story is they pretty much became a Division I conference, um, um, abiding by Division I recruiting rules, um, making a commitment to start 
playing games against Division One teams, okay? Um, so it, it's, in other words, Kirsten Matthews eventually kind of became a Division One hockey coach, even though she was still at St. Anselm. So we have this situation where she's going from the head coach at a D1 program to the associate head coach at a D1 program. So like just lots of things to think about there. You know, you just don't see that very often, but it, it kind of remind like, I guess, um, obviously there's a ton of variables that a person could think about when they take a new job. Um, but it's not something that we normally would see is going, you know, being a head coach here and then going and being an associate head coach somewhere else. However, um, obviously certain programs, you're like, oh yeah, I'll make that move. But that's kind of why I'm wondering, you know, is she like sort of in line to become the next head coach at Boston University? And, you know, is there like a timeline? Has it been promised to her? Or maybe it hasn't, nothing, there's been no conversations about it. And this was just something that intrigued her and she was ready to go back to her, um, a program that she, you know, obviously did a lot for and, and helped transition it to Division I um, college hockey. So hopefully we'll read some first-person articles um, or podcasts, who knows, or um, just, you know, hear from Kirsten Matthews about what made this BU job appealing and what is she looking forward to, um, etc. Um, trying to think here what else. Um, I think it's important to um, talk about how the success that Kirsten Matthews had at St. Anselm. She had over 200 wins. She had a winning percentage of 745. She had five tournament titles in her time there. Um, and so she was very successful there. Um, and, uh, you know, when she transitioned to the division one level, uh, I thought this was an interesting statistic, um, back in, I think it was, was this 1920 or 1890 or 1819? Let me think for a second. I think this was 1819. Um, her St. Anselm team actually beat the Connecticut whale. So they beat a pro team, which is pretty crazy. Um, but then they also lost 10 nothing to Princeton. Uh, and you have to remember, this is a team that was playing a D, like St. Anselm was playing a Division three schedule and they were tra- transitioning to Division one. Um, and so just kind of just shows you like how, how, how much variance there is in the quality of the teams out there in women's hockey that they could beat a pro team. And I don't think that they could beat a pro team on every day just on that given day, they managed to beat a pro team, um, one of the weaker pro teams, and then just take a, a beat down from Princeton, an NCAA Division One team, um, a very good NCAA Division One team, but still. Um, so I thought that was an interesting stat, uh, just looking at their, their schedule. And then this is like torturous. So here's a record that St. Anselm has. They played in the longest NCAA game on the women's side in history. So it was a playoff game and it went to five overtimes. Whew. Nightmares. I, how can I say this? I hate shootouts, but I also hate endless overtime games. And that's why when, um, if we can just briefly talk about men's hockey, like Montreal and Vegas went to overtime last week. Um, the goal to tie it was in the last minute 
and I saw that goal. It was when Fleury made his little boo-boo behind the net, um, and, and Josh Anderson got a gift of an empty net goal, basically. Um, anyway, so they took that to overtime. I watched for, like, five minutes of overtime, and I was like, I got got to go to bed. Like, I just do not have it in me to watch overtime. Um, I think playing it is also torture. Um, and so, like, whew, for, for St. Anselm to play a 5-OT game. And then they, of course, they won that game in the playoffs, and then they had to play in the final the next day which is torture not just torture to play but like literally like okay from a health perspective does somebody have to sign off on that this isn't the nhl where you just torture like where you just play injured like well you do okay that might happen in college hockey but like playing a game one day after you played in a game that went to five ot is just like i don't know i can't even wrap my head around it um but you know not not surprising to know they they didn't win the final um after playing five overtimes the day before. So I, I'm, that's a major tangent. And, um, you know, better podcasters or podcasters that know how to edit things would not have that random tangent in there. But I just wanted to, uh, when I was, you know, going to talk about Kirsten Matthews, I was like, I got to go look at her her team and just kind of see what they were up to her last couple of years. And, whew, five overtimes, you know, just needed needed to mention that, I guess. Um, so let's talk a little bit about BU because this is a whole other, um, ball of wax. I think that BU, um, obviously their coach, they've only had one head coach in history. Um, that's Brian DeRoche. Um, Brian DeRoche is, um, he played at BU and he was an NCAA champion there in 1978. Um, and then he coached on the men's side for several years. Um, and then he came over to the women, obviously. Um, and he's been very... Oh, and when he was playing as an athlete, um, he actually... I didn't realize this. He played with a bunch of the Miracle on Ice guys. They were on his team. Um, so, you know, we always hear about um, Mark Johnson. Um, and it's just funny how small the the women's hockey world is and also the men's hockey world is, you know? Um, but anyway, so I guess, um, Brian DeRoche is from that era and he was a goaltender, um, captain of his college hockey team. Um, so obviously like really, um, quite the pedigreed coach that they have at BU in their head coaching role. And it kind of shows when you just consider the success of that program since they've started since 2005. They've had seven 20-win seasons. They've been to the Frozen Four. Um, they've had success in their league, um, which is Hockey East, of course, a 10-team league um, um, based in the eastern United States. Um, so, and then, but perhaps, so all the, all that, obviously he's had some great players. He's had Marie Philip Poulin, he's had Tara Watchorn, he's had, um, Victoria Bach, Rebecca Leslie, Jesse Comfer. I'm sure the list goes on and on, um, for people who are even more familiar with the program than me, but those are the ones that I was able to think of. But on the coaching side, what makes him interesting is all of his assistant coaches or associate head coaches have been women. Um, it's not to say, I don't think that like, that's always what a person should hire, but in a women's hockey team, in a women's hockey program, when we know women's women really struggle to get jobs on the men's side, which is an understatement. Um, it is nice to see programs that really hire a lot of women. 
And so he does that, obviously. Um, But not only that, his coaches have just gone on. They've all gone on to do great things um, in terms of getting their own head coaching jobs. So, um, so he really has like, it's, he seems to just have an eye for, for hiring and, uh, mentoring, you know, um, which again, so let me just mention who he's had over the years. So his, the first at the beginning, you know, like I said, his assistant coaches were, um, Kirsten Matthews, who was the head coach, you know, of the club team who, um, helped with the, the varsity transition. Um, so obviously that's a very experienced head coach or sorry, assistant coach. And then also it was a a woman named Erica Silva who was, um, um, either a U.S. women's national team goalie or very close to it. Um, she graduated from Northeastern and coached for a few years at, um, Boston university. So like right off the bat, um, coach DeRoche had, um, kind of just really strong assistant coaches, people with very strong resumes at the very least. Um, and then ultimately his coaches became, uh, Katie LaChapelle, who was there for a long time and now is the head coach at Holy Cross. And then also Allison Kumi, who, um, who coaches now as a associate head coach at Penn State and seems to be making headway with um, getting into coaching with USA Hockey. Um, so, so those two ladies coached at BU for a while in the either the assistant or the associate head coach role. And then um, after them, Tara Watchorn, um, who was a BU graduate and an Olympian, um, and she has recently taken a job to start up the program at Stonehill, um, which will be another Eastern um, hockey program. They're going to be in the New England Women's Hockey Alliance. So Tara Watchorn is going to be a head coach. And then Liz Keedy Norton, who was the associate head coach at BU this year, she recently just took a head coaching job at, I believe, Dartmouth. So, and then, you know, Kirsten Matthews is going to come back and replace Liz Keedy Norton in that associate head coaching role. So they have, so again, all these women that have gone on to get um, coaching, had coaching roles. Um, it's just really cool to see. I don't, I don't know if anyone else has a, a coaching tree like that in women's hockey. So, um, credit to Brian DeRoche and, uh, you know, having read up a little bit about Kirsten Matthews, it does make me interested to see how things unfold here at BU and see how they do, um, with, with the change at the associate head coach level. And then also it'll be interesting to see who they hire at the assistant coach level. Um, because as I said, they lost two this year, Tara Watchorn and Liz Keedy Norton. So, um, you know, obviously what's important is that they hire somebody who's qualified, um, you know, and, and, and treats the athletes the way that they deserve to be treated. Um, by no means do I, Am I saying a person should only hire women to, to work in women's hockey, um, get qualified people um, and give, you know, period, just leave it at that. Um, um, but uh, yeah, so so that was kind of what I wanted to talk about today um, on my hockey podcast, sort of a short one after last week's um, 42 minute episode. But, uh, you know, by the time next week's episode rolls around, um, 
I think that, uh, well, the draft will be happening that day for the NWHL. Um, but uh, even more exciting than that is I'm curious to see um, if USA Hockey releases their roster for their um, centralization that will occur in the fall. Um, and I think that there will be lots to parse through there, lots to discuss. Um, and yeah, so let's leave it at that. Um, thanks for listening to my podcast. Um, by all means, please subscribe, rate or review. And, um, yeah, just thanks for listening. Feel free to comment. Um, I think that the podcast is shared on Apple or Podbean and yeah, I'm just super, uh, appreciate you listening and, uh, hope you'll listen again next week. Thanks. Bye.